as different as what church is this morning, Father. We know that your word says that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whether it's in a church of 50 or in a church of 5,000, where they're sitting on a rock at the beach for others, in the forest, you're just always there. And somehow we try to, to box you in, and sometimes we try, Father, just to make you work according to our ways, and yet the word clearly says that your ways aren't our ways, and your thoughts aren't our thoughts. And Holy Spirit of God, I just welcome you in this house this morning. I just thank you for the opportunity we have together as saints, even though it's just 50 of us. Oh Lord Jesus, just come. Touch every household this morning, every person that is watching online, every person that will watch later. May they know today, Father, that they have come to with you. And just do it all this morning. Just I really just want you just to just to close your eyes this morning. Because I believe this morning, church, we've got so much to be thankful for. Because we serve a good God. We serve a faithful God. We serve a loving God. The word says that He has never left us and He will never forsake us. It doesn't matter what the world says, it doesn't matter what the craziness out there is, and it doesn't matter what regulations say. There's one thing that we know that we are loved. The word says that there's, there's absolutely nothing separate us from the love that you have for us in Christ Jesus. Nothing. The Holy Spirit is coming. I pray that you touch every broken heart this morning. I pray that you heal every sickness and every disease this morning. I pray that you restore men every marriage and every relationship this morning. Father, may not be by power, may not be by might, but be by your Holy Spirit this morning. Because that Lord is a fresh anointing that's in this house this morning. There's a fragrance in this house this morning that we haven't felt for such a long time. There's a presence here this morning, Father, that we have not felt for so long. And I thank you for your presence that's filling this house this morning, not just this house. But I thank you that there's a presence that is filling every home this morning. Lord, we are not limited by distance or time or place. We're not limited by online or, or the life thing. There's nothing, your word says, there's nothing that is impossible for you. That even as we stand in your presence this morning and we declare healing and people in New Zealand are being healed right now. That people in Australia have been touched right now. Because you're a limitless God. Listen to the words this morning. It doesn't matter where you are. I want you to 
just a reminder that our service times have changed. Um, we have 8.30 and a 10 o'clock service. And so we've really been excited in what God is doing. Our services on Thursday already were fully booked. And so some people are saying, can we do a third one? <laughs> but I, I want to say something to you. <clears throat> it's been a while since I've had so much fun in church. And I know it sounds, it sounds funny, but listen to me. I love the season that we're in right now. I, I know it's crazy, and I know people are, you know, saying, oh, but we only limit to 50. Tell you something, I would do 50 people any day. You know, as long as we get, as long as we meet, as long as we fellowship one to another. And, and I think sometimes we miss it. Sometimes, you know, we think, well, you know, we've got to have so much, we've got to have so much. Let me tell you something. When God gives you a talent, what gift? Work it. Work it. If God gives us 20, we will have services for 20. And if God gives us 50, we will have services for 50. If God gives us 100, it doesn't matter. You see, it's not about the numbers that are sitting in front of us. It's what we come to worship God. And if it's me, I'm sure tell, you know, that, then that's fine as well. That, that's just where we are. But I think we need to understand that it's still an honor to come into the presence of God. It's still an honor to meet with friends and family. It's still an honor to even if we have 50 or 20 or 100 people in the world. That should not move who we are and what God is doing in this season. And I just I just love the fact that God has been dealing in so many of your lives. God's doing some great stuff. And I'm, I'm jacking it up this morning. I see real field, five degrees outside this morning. A little bit cold for South Africa. <laughs> We're not used to cold when in South Africa. But um, I just trust that you guys are going to really have a good time this morning and that you guys will enjoy the season that you're in. I had a reading this week that really stirred me. And it was a reading that I found in James 1 verse 5. And I just want to touch on that because I really want to get to, to what God is saying to us in the season. But um, I, I read the scripture in James 5, James 1 verse 5. It says, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him and he will gladly tell you. Now, it sounds simple. I'm going to read it again. Because most of you don't believe that that's simple scripture in the Bible. And it's there. It says, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. And he will tell you that. And it's quite an interesting scripture because I really thought about that scripture this week. And I thought about how often, how simple it is, not how often, how simple it is to actually hear from God. To actually come to God and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to journey right now? What is it that you want me to face right now? What direction do I need to go? What am I going to do about my job or my family or whatever it is? And the word says suddenly, so just ask God and he will gladly tell you the direction that you need to go. Now, now that being said, I realized this week even in my own life that often I read the scripture and, and I don't pray this way because even before I ask God for something, for God to do something significant in my life or in the life of the church, most of us have a preconceived idea of what we want God to answer us. Amen. Four of us, praise God. So, so it's not that we pray for direction, we pray for approval. So, so, so God, I'm going to buy this BMW. I can't afford the 10,000 rand a month. But, but God, the devil sings a song that says you're the God of the impossible. So, so, so I'm going to ask you for direction this morning. And what we do, we go buy it, and then we can't afford it, and then the bank repossesses it, and then you end up in the boss office going, I don't understand what God is doing in this and it's such a challenge for me because it really came to mind that often I ask God for forgiveness or I ask 
God for guidance and 90% of the time I go in the opposite direction. Why? Because it just, it's too difficult. You know, we just, it's too much effort. It's like, well, you know, um, what does God say right now? I don't know, but God pray fast for seven days. Oh, seven days, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, we just rather go on the internet, Google, what is God saying right now? And it just makes more sense. And we don't want to pay the price for what it is that God wants to do in our lives. And often, as especially as a pastor, is that often we don't move in the direction that God wants for us simply because of the crowd around us. So often as pastors, we want to keep people happy, not just as pastors, I think all of us, even in our marriages, even in our businesses, whatever we face, we sometimes compromise on the word and the direction that God has for us simply because we want to keep everybody happy. Now you've got to understand, most pastors get paid out of what you put in the basket. And most pastors know what you put in the basket. Thank God I don't know what you put in the basket. All right. And somewhere on the line, sometimes we get value to a person. And we terrify to do what God says and say, listen to me, it's crazy. But do, at times, we, we do things simply to make people happy, but we move in the opposite direction to what God is saying to us. And it's called like, almost like a herd mentality. And if you've ever been on a farm or, or, or on a game farm, you'll find that there'll always be a lead ram that'll be in charge. And if he goes one direction, everybody follows him. He could be just having a bad day and everyone just follows him. You know, when they run through the river, up the mountain, everybody follows. And we have a society today where I found that often a herd mentality of just going with the flow is so much easier than having to walk alone. It's so much easier to get in a little canoe and drift along the river and just to go with the flow than turn around and go upstream. And, and, and as this week I started to prepare the scripture, I, I started to realize what a herd mentality is, especially in our society these days. You know, the word of God says that, that even the elite in the end times will be deceived. And the word of God says we're going to be very careful of the decisions we make and, and, and the prayers that we pray. Because often we pray prayers not because of what God to do it for us, because we've already done it. We've just done what God stand on it. And it doesn't work like that. And as I was preparing my message, I was reminded of, of, of a story in the Bible, and I love the story, you guys all know the story, but I'm going to read it to you, it's found in Numbers 13. And it's a story about the 12 spies that Moses sent into the Promised Land. I want to just pick up on one or two points, and I really want to encourage you this morning, I want you to hear what the Word of God is saying this morning, because it's very simple what God is saying. I want you to turn there, and Numbers 13, I'm going to read from verse 1. And I'm going to go, as I go along, I'm just going to break it down for you guys. Alright, and then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one leader amongst them. Now I want you to grab all this because we often, we listen, we, we read the story of the 12 spies. We read the story about... You know that 10 came back and 10 had a negative report and 2 came back and 2 had a positive report. And often we think that God sent the spies into the land to check out the land. But God didn't send the spies into the land to check out the land. See if you read that scripture correctly it says this, which I have given to the children of Israel. 
It wasn't a pie in the sky. It wasn't like, well, go check it out and if you like it, you guys can move in. It was a promise. God said, I'm giving the land to you. The land is yours. All the inhabitants of the land, all the cities that you're going to face, all the battles that you face, I want to say to you, it's all yours. So what I want you to do is I want to take one man of each tribe, I want you to send him out there in a second and say, okay, so how are we going to overcome what we need to face? That's really what God says. Go look out and find the blueprint. Look around and say, God, what are you saying to us in this season? What do we need to do? The interesting thing about the 12 spies is this, is that everyone knows Joshua and Caleb. But how many of you know the, the names of the other 10? And it's an interesting question. Because we always think about the 12 tribes, or the 12 spies, when we speak about Joshua and Caleb. Now, you know something that's very interesting is that Joshua and Caleb were the only two people, two men, from their generation. The other ten spies were from, from Moses' generation. They had traveled, and they had been there, and they had traveled all this time with Moses. But Joshua and Caleb were two youngsters that were from the new generation. And so God sends the new, this twelve spies out with Joshua and Caleb. He said, right, I need you to go look at the land. I need you to go and see what it's about. Let me get a reading, I says. I've given it to the children of Israel, each tribe, their father, and you shall send a man, one of every leader amongst them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, and all of them who were, were, were heads of the children of Israel. Verse 17. And then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said to them, Go up this way into south, and go up into the mountains, and see what the land looks like, and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the city they inhabit are camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there is forest or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. And now the time, sorry, now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Amazing, but he gives them a strict instruction. He said that this is what I want you to do. I want you to look at the land. I want you to look at the soil. I want you to look at the inhabitants. I want you to look at the cities. I want you to look at how big the people are. I want you to look at the fruit. I want you to bring some fruit back to show us what is happening. Now you've got to understand something. That they are basically 12, 13 days into their journey. This is not like they've been in a desert for 40 years. They are a couple of days into the journey. They've left Egypt. They were in slavery for I don't know how many, 600 years. They come out of slavery. Pharaoh releases them. They go into the wilderness. They travel to the Jordan. Right away, God says, right, send out the spies. Let's do this thing. And right in the beginning, the children falter. Right in the beginning, the people start to panic. You see, verse 20 says this. Verse 23 says this. And then they came to the valley of Iskol, and they cut down a, a branch with one cluster of grapes they carried between two men on a pole. And there was a boss of promocanists and freaks, and the place was called the valley of Iskol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Listen to that. And now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran. And at Kadesh they brought back the word and showed them the fruits of the land. Then they told him and said, When we went to the land where you sent us, it is truly flowing with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Listen to the first report they give. The first report they go, everything that God says is true. 
everything that God told us about the promised land is true. Everything, the fruit, the land, the inhabitants, everything God said is 100% correct. And so we get this positive report from 12 of them. I mean, two of them are carrying one bunch of grapes. That's how big the land is. Or how big the fruit of the land is. And so they give us massive good report. And they're excited about what's happening in a sense. So he said, and then he told them, he said, them, we went to the land where he said that it was truly flowing with milk and honey and fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the cities of Anakites, which are the Nephilim, which is the giants. A crazy thing about what I want to pick up there is that so often we take every good report that God has given us and we add a negative connotation to it. How many of you have prayed for a miracle? How many of you prayed for a breakthrough? How many of you can stand in this church every Sunday and confess, yes, He is God of the impossible. Yes, He is our King. Yes, He is our Lord. Yes, He is our Savior. Yes, He is died on the cross of Calvary. He rose and He died again on the, on the, he rose again on the third day and He gave us eternal life. And Monday morning comes and the first crisis that hits us, we forget about who God is and all of a sudden we focus on the chaos around us. All of a sudden our bosses don't understand us and we're never going to cope on this salary and I should never have bought this car and my wife is just a terrible person and I wish my kids would leave me. That is how quickly us as believers swap our mindset. Because it's easy to sit in a church and say it's God of the impossible and we can sing praise hallelujah and we can sing that there's a king in this room. You see, but our faith is not being tested when we sit in a building or in a life group on a Wednesday. Our faith is being tested when we're out in the world, when we're out in what's happening out there. That is when your faith and my faith really gets tested. That is where our prayer life really gets tested. The scripture goes on. I don't want to pick it so near verse 29. He said, The Amalekites dwelled in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jezebites and the Amalekites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome them. <coughs> Caleb's first words. Let's just do it. We'll work out the details as we go along. If God has said that this is the promised land, if God has said this is the purpose and the plan and the calling that He has for my life, all I want to do is be obedient and walk in the calling that God has for me and God will work out the details. The problem is that many of us want the details before we understand the promises of God. Many of us want, well God I will go to, to Pakistan for you, but when I get there I want to... I fall by four, you know, Lord, because it's terrible there. And I want to stay in a really good hotel, you know, Lord, because, you know, I am doing your work, you know, and, and hopefully I'll get a really good salary while I'm there, Lord. And so we want the process to fall into place before we accept the promise. And yet the promise is what we need to grab hold of, and the process God works out on His own. But when the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone, spies 
and spies in the land, that devour its inhabitants, all the people whom we saw are men of great stature. There we saw giants, and we were and we were like grasshoppers in our in our own sight, and so and, and so were they in their sight. It's crazy. That, that even though they stood up the land and they saw what was happening and they saw the fruit and they saw the abundance of the land, the problem is that they never saw themselves the way God saw them. You see, when they came face to face with the giant, the first thing they saw was, well, we're not strong enough. Well, we're not good enough. You see, there's a phase that goes like this, is that when David faced Goliath, he didn't tell people how big Goliath was. He told Goliath how big his God was. <clears throat> and the same thing happens here. And these are the warriors. These are the men that went to spark the land. All of a sudden they come back and they go, you know what, we can't do this. It's impossible for us to do this. And they go to Shunok Israel, a bad report of the land which they spied out. Verse 33. Um, sorry, verse 33. Then, they, then, sorry, then we saw the giants, the descendants of the Enoch's. Come from the, uh, with the giant people, and we were like grasshoppers. Verse chapter 14. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept all night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And while the congregation said that if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? What, would it not be better for them to return to Egypt? Verse 4 says, So they said to one another, Let us elect a leader and return to Egypt. And then Moses and Aaron fell to their face before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were amongst these head, who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The Lord, the land we have passed through to spy out, is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, and He will bring us into this land and give it to us, and the land which flows with milk and honey. Listen to this. Only do not rebel against God, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. They, uh, their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear. And all the congregation said, stone them to death. It's madness. Listen to the story. Is that Joshua and Caleb said, guys, you don't understand. There's only one choice you have to make today. This is not whether we can conquer the enemy or not. The only choice that you have today is this. Are we going to obey God? Or are we going to give it to fear? And we find ourselves in the same situation in our country worldwide today. Did God not say that He'll never leave you nor forsake you? Did God not say that no pestilence will come near you? That God not promise that the enemy will come into one way and flee in seven different directions. That God not tell you that you're the head and not the tail. That God not tell you that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus strengthens you. God has told us that He has a purpose and a plan and a calling upon our lives. But some of you and I be rattled by fear of the circumstances around us. And we don't hear the word of God. And today it's not about whether we abide with government regulations. It's not about what the COVID says and what the figures worldwide says. The fact, the fact is this, and I want to say this to the same thing that Joshua and Caleb said to the people. You've only got one choice today. Either you trust in God or you trust in man. That's the only choice you have today. 
the only choice. And sometimes God's yes doesn't make us comfortable. And sometimes God's yes doesn't give us easy passage to what He wants to do in our life. Why? Out of, out of 12 spies, 10 were negative. 10 people were negative. Let's take 12 of your friends. How many of them are positive right now? Probably one or two. And we keep getting moved by the things of this world. We keep getting moved by what gets said and the figures and the regulations and all this craziness. And we don't understand that all God desires of you and I is that you and I stay in an intimate relationship with Him. And every word that He gives us is yes and amen. That we obey His word. That we obey His instructions. Do you think that God will send you to destruction? Do you think that's the kind of God? Do you really think that God will take three million Egyptians and send them into the desert to be murdered? Really? And do you think that God wants to bring calamity on your life and my life? And we miss the point of what is happening here. We miss the fact of this, and I said it before, is the church's finest hour. This is the time that we need to be out there. We need to be busy. We need to be praying. We need to be preaching. We need to be doing worship wherever we can. We need to be telling people about Jesus. And yes, there might only be two out of every 12 in this church that prepared to do that. I'm prepared to work on those two. You know what the problem is? The problem is this, that this story was written probably 5,000 years ago. And 5,000 years ago, we're sitting with the same situation. Is that God's people are busy hiding in their houses. Amen. They're busy hiding on their couches. Yes. Hey, they're not going to church. They're not opening churches. Amen. They're not preaching the gospel. All they do is they're stuck on a TV and listen to what gets said. But it's time to get up. It's time to be counted. It's time to be more than enough. Because how much longer are you and I going to sit and stay locked down and not preach the word of God? Are we just going to be well touching us and it's just too tough out there? Because I tell you, this, this virus is a giant. And I tell you, the government regulations is against us. And you, and you know, Kurt, and people just are different out there. You are believing the report of them. But you're not believing the report of the Lord. You're not listening to what the Word of God says to each and every one of us. This is why Jesus said that the gate is narrow. And the road to destruction is broad. This is the problem we have now. Is that most believers are in hiding. When they should be praying for the sick. When they should be preaching. When they should be in the streets prayer walking. It's easy to hide and say, well, you know what, I'm going to just stay comfortable. It was so bad. You know what they said? Well, let us go back to Egypt. I would rather be a slave than live in the promises of God. That sounds stupid. But most of us are doing it. Most of us rather prefer the slavery of what is going on in the world around us than wanting to live in the promise that God has for us. This is not our season to hide. This is not our season to be quiet. Yes, the government has certain regulations. That is fine. We can work within their framework. Out of three million people, two boys come back. Two boys come back. Let us see how we can do this. They're obviously sharp boys. Sharp boys. No, no. The other ten were promised boys. I know they were. The other ten spot promised boys. Put 
we correct it to a place that we understand that God is calling and a purpose upon our lives. The calling and the purpose that God has upon your life is not a maybe. It's a promise that I am going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to give you a land with the grapes on the side of pomegranates. I'm going to give you a land where the grapes have too many to carry. That's the promises that God has for you. That is the purpose that God has for you. But you know what the problem is? We keep on turning back and going back to slavery every single time. We keep on listening to the reports of everyone around us. And none of the reports have been like, you know what we do? We get caught up in all the gossip. We get caught up in all the conspiracy theories. We get caught up in all the craziness that's happening around us right now. Let me tell you something. God is not, Jesus is not going to return until we get up. The word of God says that the gospel has to be preached to the ends of the earth until Jesus returns. And the gospel is never going to reach the ends of the earth if you sit and watch TV day in day out. The gospel is not going to reach the ends of the earth. It's the only time that you open a Bible for the pastor when you preach a sermon. The ends of the earth is not going to be reached because the only time you want to worship is when devil's on the piano. The ends of the earth is not going to be reached. Well, when John opens us the outreach, then we'll go wrong. You see, what happens is we become comfortable and we become lazy and we become complacent and we become lethargic as believers. We preach warming messages want to keep people happy. We preach sermons that fill pews but don't change hearts. We want to sing songs that are sing-along songs. But as soon as they song, got a bit of a twist in it, we don't know if we like it. We want to attend church when it's sunny and it's 30 degrees outside. We don't want to attend church when it's 5 degrees outside. Ross, I bet have a cup of coffee. Guys, I'm not picking on you, example. All you onliners. We're not picking on you. We're not judging you. But, but, there's a report that's coming out. And the world is seeing one report. And the church is being quiet. The church is quiet. And I believe we're in a season right now where God is looking for Joshua and Caleb. He's looking for people that say, I don't care what happens. I know that with God all things are possible. But I'll tell you something, that when, when they started to hand out the land, Caleb, where he went was the land of Hebron. It was mountainous. It was impossible. It had the most incredible fortress. 3,000 3, meters in altitude. That was the way Hebron was built. He was 40 years old. And he said, give me that mountain. He said, I don't want the easy stuff. I don't want the easy fights. He said, I want the mountain. Do you know when he got the mountain? Joshua handed him the mountain 45 years later. At the age of 85, Caleb turns around and he says, I am as strong as what I was when I was 40. I am as prepared as what I was when I was 40. I am 85 and I said, Joshua, give me the mountain. Give me the giants. Give me the tough fight. I don't want the easy stuff. And God is looking for Caleb that at 84 will say, you know what? I'm not done on this earth yet. I'm not done. I'm not restricted to COVID. I'm not restricted to the World Health Organization. I'm restricted to no one but to God. We're never going to fill a church. 
cute songs. You might fill a church with nice messages, but you'll never change your heart. You see, the Word of God says here, listen to this, and I want to close with this, because I'm out of breath. <laughs> Numbers 14, verse 24. This is what God says. Okay, let's read verse 23. He says, they, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who reject me at this time. He says, you know what? When you denied, when those 10 spies said we cannot do it. Do you know it took you 40 years to die in that desert? Not one of them entered the promised land, except the two ladies, Josh and Caleb. But this is what God says about Caleb. He says, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him to the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. Because he had a different spirit. Yeah. Out of all of the people, God says, man, this boy came. This boy came. This is what I need. This is who I need. 45 years later, he was as ready as the day was when he was 40, when he first saw Hebron for the first time. How did, how did he keep busy 45 years? Because he saw what God showed him. He didn't let fear guide his eyesight. He didn't look at the giants. He didn't look at fortified the cities were. He didn't look what the land looked like. You see, what Caleb did was, he looked up. And he knew whatever he had to face, God's got this. God's got this. And I don't know what your mountain looks like right now. I don't know what the, the tribes around you and the people around you are saying. But there's one thing that I'm going to say to you this morning and it's this. That we can say, God, it's time that you give us the mountain. Yeah. You see, we live in a society today where leaders have forgotten what it is to lead. They're part of the crowd. They've forgotten what it is to lead. They've forgotten what it is to live above reproach. They've forgotten what it's like to be a child of God and walk in the calling and the purpose and the plan and the obedience that God has for you. We think just be a Christian just got a ticket to heaven. But we want all the sins of the world and want all the luxuries of the world but we don't want to be obedient to His Word. And time after time after time we come back as one of those ten go, the job market stuff's out there. I don't know if this economy is going to make it. I don't know if you're going to pay back the bills. I don't know if my company's going to make it. But I want to say to you, God wants to give you a different spirit today. He wants to give you a painful spirit. A man that wants to touch the mountains. You see, as leaders, we often become comfortable and forget what the calling of God is upon our lives. The promise is that bad leaders drag people through famines themselves. That when I cannot stand up as a leader and I make bad decisions, you know what happens is that I cause the people that are around me and behind me to wander in the desert with me for 40 years. Be careful what decisions you make because there are people that are going to walk in the consequences of your disobedience. There are people that are going to walk in the consequences of your bad decisions, whether you like it or not. If you want to lead, lead with boldness, lead with courage, lead with the word of God in you, 
lead from His presence and not to His presence. Obey God. And don't focus what you cannot see. Focus on the promises of God. And I don't know where you are right now, but I'll tell you something. It's time that the church arises. It's time that we get a Joshua and a Caleb spirit. It doesn't matter what the world says out there. We need to look at God and say, Father, just give me the mountain. Give me the giants. Give me the giants. I've heard of an evangelist, and, 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 and I'm going to get it wrong if I know it is right now. But during the Spanish flu, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people were dying. And he went to the doctors and he said this, I want you to put this virus on my hands. Because the power of God is so thick upon me that that virus will not be able to stand it. You know what they did? They put the virus on his hand. And the doctors tested him again. And the virus had died in his hands.
and be filled and overflowing right now with your spirit. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you release a spirit of boldness, a spirit of courage into each and every one of us. Today, may we see the promises that you have for us. May we stand up and be counted. And may we prepare this bride for your return. Because the word said you're coming. Whether we like it or not, you are coming for a bride. May we be those who prepare that bride. I pray in Jesus' name. Bless you guys. Have a great time. Don't forget to join us on Sunday, Wednesday night at 19.30. Pastor Chantal will be sharing again. Just remember if you want to book, book ASAP for Sunday services. Thursday is back full. Alright, very important. Have a blessed day. See you soon. See you soon.